the only thing that we're expecting from them is a positive result. Um, during the week. But Sizo support. Sizo analyzes, criticizes, but Sizo support. So support again. So when it comes to Ibafana, um, maybe share those with me on WhatsApp voice note. Give me your opinions. It is an international week. So we, we talk about squad uh, said we talk about the selection we talk about a, a lot of things we had made mention of dr congo their game against mauritania uh, that was played 3-1 was the final result uh, played earlier on today uh, in fact there was ired kadi to mauritania early i think who tm uh, where mauritania was actually not serious about playing football today Idrissa, 22 years old i mean how do you get a red card after just 22 minutes of the game um out. So that already put Mauritania under pressure. Tiar Congo played a very convincing game. Bakora two goals before half time. Umaswakuwa manager who got at least touch second half. So 3 1 for Tiar Congo. So in terms of E log standing, Tiar Congo, it puts them on three points, still at the bottom of the table. Ikabon. It was number one with seven points. Mauritania with four points, uh, despite the loss. Yanam Tanje Sudenge position number three. So a game that's currently underway is Uganda, Tanzania. Uh, there's about what six minutes of that game left. Uh, so Uganda has got Dennis Onyango. Umfana now. Um, playing at home and they'll be very disappointed because they've been very dominant in recent time especially at home in Uganda uh, so they trail e Tanzania by a goal to another goal that was scored in the 68th minute by Umsuva um, so can they be able to withstand the pressure uh, and the crazy thing is that you're in e Tanzania they've been dominating they are dominating the ball possession 51% uh, they've been dominating the goal attempts. They've taken 10 shots at goal, six there to Uganda. And when you look at the overall picture as it stands right now, sure, yeah, it's tough, but we'll wait and see. So other games still to come later on tonight. Cape Verde are going to take on Eswatini. Uh, you've got Ivory Coast, uh, who are going to be lining up at home against uh, Comoros. Uh, Nigeria, a lot expected from the new regime in Nigeria. Uh, they get to play against the uh, Guinea-Bissau. Uh, that game kicking off at uh, 6 o'clock. So South Africa joins the queue of 6 o'clock kickoff. Followed by the later kickoff. There's three games. Um, in fact, even more than that. Yo, Burkina Faso will take on Togo. Uh, Egypt, the mighty Egyptian team, take on our neighbors Malawi. Equatorial Guinea play against Ipotswana. Uh, then you got uh, a full complement of games as well from 9 o'clock uh, where Mali play against Gambia. Then there's Senegal, our pride and joy, uh, who take on Mozambique. Uh, there's also Cameroon and Namibia, uh, not forgetting Guinea and Ethiopia, Tunisia and Libya as well.
So you can take your pick as far as games are concerned. Uh, but I can look forward to seeing how Namibia is shaping up because um, I haven't seen the next-door neighbors play for quite some time, so they get to play against a Cameroonian side uh, who, when you look, look at the log, uh, that's Group C, uh, Cameroon do lead that log uh, with three points. Uh, Kenya with nothing, uh, with zero. Uh, but Namibia have managed to get a point as well as Iporundi. So a lot to look forward to as far as uh, Africa Cup of Nations of football is concerned. I don't know which one you are looking forward to the most or you're just uh, going to sit back and enjoy uh, what Bafana Bafana have to dish up in the next six minutes or um, so as we await them coming out. Uh, talking about the Orlando Stadium indeed. So looking forward to that and a whole, whole lot more indeed. It is Mara Sports Worldwide coming through. Uh, on the Rise FM, Sowetan Live, and of course, Kornalapagui Vuma FM. Matthew Booth. What can be done to ensure that we, we encourage it from sports football, especially for people who look like him? So I just, I just don't want to use color and all the, and all of those things. So please uh, pardon my analogy. I hope it makes sense. Are we going to lose that touch where we have what even a 96 team represented as far as demographics in South Africa? Yeah, there was an interesting conversation. I think Pizzo started it um, with regards, you know, I think he mentioned where are all the white boys? You know? Yeah, <laughs> that was the headline. I think that it's a class issue it's not a color issue mm-hmm. we're actually losing a lot of black and colored kids as well yes we are it gets allowed to happen private schools don't allow football to be played kids will know everyone in transfer from man city to burnley they will know that but they don't even know one before another night that's the responsibility of our footballing authorities to get our, our act together uh, because we're losing kids yeah across the board hashtag msw hashtag msw the goal-scoring record, of course, would have been a proud moment no matter the circumstance, but uh, for sure it feels that little bit sweeter when you win and like, like I touched on, to win our first game here in Italy uh, against Italy for a long, long time, so uh, amazing, amazing night and um, yeah, overall just a, a, a really tough game, you know, the penalty it had to be a penalty, I had a feeling it would and, um, but you know, that's why you practice, that's why you keep your head down and work hard for, for those moments and, you know, I prepared well for it and, and thankfully put it away. Well, I think, um, 
you know, any penalty is nerve-wracking, you know, in any circumstance. And, um, of course, I was, you know, really disappointed in how the World Cup ended and um, to, to miss the penalty. And, and to it's more missing a chance, you know, that you practice over and over and not, not being able to execute in that moment is, is tough to take. But that's why we practice. That's why I train and work hard. And, uh, you know, it feels like forever since I last put on that, that England shirt. So I've been really excited to, to do that. And, um, yeah, it was just itching to get out there. And, you know, when I'm in the game, no matter what the chance, whether it's a penalty, a, a one-on-one, a shot from the edge of the box I'm, you know, I'm always prepared for it and uh, yeah it was just a, a great feeling to, to see that one hit the back of the net You could see right from the beginning of the game he was really on it um, to break the record in the manner he did given the recent history was uh, an indication of his strength of character and his mentality and um, yeah I couldn't be happier for him and his family they're lovely people he is a brilliant professional and um, to do it as quickly as he has as well with still you know a lot of his career still to go is a, an incredible achievement we'll have to have a think about um, the squad but um, you're absolutely right we have to go and get a result at Wembley now because it, this will be a fantastic result if we win on Sunday and that's exactly what we've said to the players straight after the game then Monday they can head off wherever they want but uh, it, it's going to be hard because Ukraine have had no um, competitive game today. We've got to fly. We've got to recover. We've got uh, quite a few knocks. So um, we're going to need Wembley at its uh, most vocal and supportive on Sunday because it will give us a huge lift. Right, that's uh, England as they prepare themselves through for their round of European qualifiers as well. A lot has been said about uh, Lord Sebastian Coe. Hey, we'll hear a lot about him coming up a little bit later on as well. The council agreed to the reinstatement of the Russian Federation, RUSAF, following seven years of suspension. Uh, and that, of course, was due to the egregious institutional doping violations. However, athletes, officials and supporting personnel from Russia and Belarus are still excluded from competition for the foreseeable future due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I did remind Council that Rusev was originally suspended from membership in November 2015 due to its whole-scale breach of its anti-doping obligations and that in November 2021 Congress resolved to continue that suspension until Rusev had met all of the reinstatement conditions set by council. I advise council today that those conditions have now been met. First, an in- independent audit team has confirmed that Rusev has met all of the detailed KPIs and other requirements set out in the reinstatement plan that council approved in March 2021. And second, Rusev has accepted a detailed set of post-reinstatement conditions designed to ensure there is not no backsliding from the significant progress that it has made to date. These are in addition to the other special requirements that Rusev will have to meet as a Category A member federation under the rules of the World Athletics. I told Council that the task force met with Rusev President Peter Ivanov and his senior management team in person in Istanbul last week. They satisfied us that the meeting... Here is Maron Sports Worldwide on a Friday... 
Welcome to the show. Wherever you're joining us around the country, the world, as well as the continent, a lot happening as far as uh, uh, the sporting world is concerned. International Week, uh, waiting for Bafana's game. That's a key talking point and moment for tonight. Uh, maybe your expectations, your lack of it, your lack of enthusiasm and excitement. Uh, you, you'll let me know. You guide me uh, with regards to that one. But what really caught my eye, the newly appointed Tourism Minister, Patricia DeLille, advising the South African Tourism Board to halt all proceedings regarding the 900 million 900 million rand sponsorship. Remember that deal uh, with the English football club Tottenham Hotspur. And speaking during a press uh, briefing in Pretoria today, Delil saying that her decision was based on numerous factors, including the exponential, they call it the exponential amount, whatever that means, uh, that would be spent on the deal. So it moves from the 900 million rand sponsorship deal with English football club Tottenham Hotspur to being called exponential amount. Numerous factors coming in. It has to be spent. It's a deal that not everybody is happy about. Yeah, there was a public outcry and also certain processes which were not followed clearly. with Section 217 of the Constitution and Treasury instructions issued in terms of the Public Finance Management Act and also South African tourism owned supply chain management policy. It appears that the sponsorship is a service which was proposed to be acquired by procurement through sole source. Sole source procurement is, however, only allowed where there is no competition in the market and only one supplier is able to provide the goods and services, which in this case, it does not appear to be the case. The sponsorship uh, has not been budgeted for as required in terms of Section 53 of the PMFA and that the expenditure therefore would be irregular or unauthorized within the meaning of the terms within the PMFA. I have written to the South African Tourism Board on Wednesday the 22nd of March asking for their response regarding the above legal opinion and I've asked the board to respond to me by the 29th of March. The board has however responded this morning the 24th of March and sent me an interim response and a copy of their letter will be attached is attached to the media statement. Also, does the board regard the Tottenham deal to be a significant transaction which triggered the need for my uh, prior approval? And if so, will the board request my approval and when? I also ask, has the Tottenham deal been budgeted for in the 22-23 financial budget? And if not, why is the expenditure on the deal not unauthorized or irregular within the meaning of those terms in the PMFA? As a country, when we enter into such massive partnership, it is vital that we are able to fully be accountable that we are transparent and can answer South Africans clearly and honestly. So based on the board uh, chairperson's interim response that I received this morning, my advice to the South African Tourism Board is that this proposal may as well be stopped completely.
All right, the Friday edition of Marawan Sports Worldwide uh, coming through live from Vuma FM, Rise FM, as well as 947 Sowetan Live. Uh, and as you know, yesterday saw uh, South Africa's duo of uh, Darren Fickard as well as Martin Foster uh, sharing the first round clubhouse lead at the Johnson Wear Workwear Open. Uh, that is the Johnson Workwear Open at the uh, club as well as Stain City. So today, the Sunshine Tour as well as the DP World Tour co sanctioned uh, tournament uh, took another twist. Yeah, I've been trying to follow that as well. Uh, German Nick Beckham uh, was in the lead this afternoon. The Sunshine Tour media manager now joins us to take us through how today's play unfolded. A man I haven't spoken to in a while, Michael Flismas. Good evening and welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. What's been going down there at the Sunshine Tour? Good evening, Rob. It's so good to be with you. And yes, uh, Nick Bacham, as you mentioned, top of the leaderboard today, a 66 from him. He's at 13 under par, a man who last week was uh, surfing in Jay Bay and said he realized a childhood dream when he did that. He just loves South Africa. He spends more time in South Africa than he does in Germany. And, uh, and it's stroke lead for him going into the weekend. Behind him, Roman Langask and Sami Valimaki. They're at 12 under. Langask a 64 today. Valimaki a 65. And then our leading South Africans are at 11 under. Martin Forster and Oki Stradom in a group of players there. So they we've, we've got to the weekend. What's it looking like just in terms of the turnout? Obviously a big, big event here, Michael. It is a big event. It's a big opportunity for uh, South African professionals. You know, it, it, these co-sanctioned events are huge in terms of uh, the opportunity it provides for the SA pros to play at home and uh, earn playing privileges on the BP World Tour if they don't already have it. So a player like Martin Forster in his rookie season on the Sunshine Tour, this is a big, big weekend coming for him. If he wins, he's got two years of work on the DP World Tour, and that's the next level for him. And, you know, I remember when this tournament started last year, it was a challenge tour event in partnership with the Sunshine Tour at Durban Country Club. JC Ritchie won it on that occasion. He went on to get his DP World Tour card as a result of it. But I'll never forget, after all the cameras and interviews were done afterwards, Nick Johnson pulled him aside at Durban Country Club and said to him, how can we help you? And, and that's the kind of spirit that is, that has come into this event. They've, they've elevated the tournament. They've put in more money. They've raised it to a DP World Tour event. And it really is that spirit of how can we create the kind of greatness that the Sunshine Tour believes South African golf has. And clearly, as you mentioned as well, Johnson Worker believes all South Africans have. So it really is a good spurt and a good opportunity that uh, lies in wait for, for South African golf this weekend. Yeah, Michael, uh, you, I mean, you talk about the bigger purse, which is always a great thing to have, but it's also the prestige uh, that comes with the $1.5 million uh, purse as well, which is a share of that purse. Absolutely. It's almost 4 million rand that the winner walks away with. And, uh, and again, it, it, it can be life changing. You know, that other South African professional, straight at 11 under, um, you know, he was, he was a sunshine to a strong sunshine to a pro looking to make that step up. He then won the Alfred Daniel Championship last year, December, a co-sanctioned event. It changed his life. He then went on to win a tournament in Singapore a few months later. So he's now looking for his third DP World Tour event. So it's changed his life entirely and, and taken his career to the next level. So, yeah, it is certainly, you know, it, it, it is a door that they can walk through from here in South Africa onto the biggest stage in the world. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been looking forward to that when they heard about that prize money, the winner claiming two fifty-five thousand dollars U.S. dollars, one hundred and sixty-five for the runner-up, earning one hundred and sixty-five as well. And it's great, though. I mean, golf, the aesthetics as well of the backdrop, Michael of Estain City. What a better way to spend an afternoon! Fantastic, and you know, you just speak to the uh, the European professionals that they, they cannot say enough about how much they love coming down to South Africa and playing in this tournament. They, uh, they, they sing the praises of the country. They love what they see. And, and you know, Sunshine Tour takes it around the country and visits some wonderful, some wonderful venues. And, and, you know, the minute you just get partners like a Johnson Workwear just investing in that whole product as well and taking it to the world, you've constantly got eyes on, on some of the most beautiful golf courses and, and some of the most beautiful regions in South Africa. Last week, we were in the Eastern Cape at St. Francis Links, this week in Johannesburg, um, at Spain City, as you mentioned, a beautiful estate. The pros are loving it. The, the European pros are certainly enjoying it. And, uh, yeah, if you can, get out here on the weekend because there's some, some great stuff here. There's a Beat the Pro competition for the amateurs that happens during play. You can win a trip to Mauritius and to the major of your choice. So there's a lot on offer if, uh, if you get out here on the weekend. Wonderfully summed up, Michael, as always. Talk about the Johnson Workwear Open at the club at Stain City. As Sunshine Tour Media Manager, Michael Flismas, as always. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Robert. Wow, wow, wow. <sighs> With the appetite, man. I feel like taking a drive to Stain City. It's all there to play for. And the prize money. And in fact, just a short while ago, I do believe a Bafana Bafana goal. Previously on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Brian Mitchell in studio, former WBA IBF junior lightweight champion, Jeffries and Naturina. And I'm wondering, why is boxing not advertised like cricket, like soccer, like rugby, like like the other sports? We used to wake up when Jan Bergman was fighting, yeah. Bella was fighting. If it was 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, we'll wake up to watch <laughs> it. But now there's nothing anymore. You know, I think the real answer is that it's the personalities. Yeah. You know, if you look at the 70s in the heavyweight division, you had Ali, Foreman, Norton, Fraser. So it was unbelievable, the personalities. Ricardo Malajika, absolutely brilliant. But they, they're not getting all the coverage, so nobody's talking mm. about them. Hashtag MSW. Hashtag MSW. You know, the game, I think, came out the way one would have sort of expected it. Uh, a team that sits, a team that plays out with a long pass, you know, they change the team like we changed the team as well. A little bit strong and aggressive in the midfield. I thought we started off very nicely, uh, you know, opened them up, but we were a little bit uh, anxious, you know, in the final third, not finding the right pass, you know, uh, to connect and take advantage of the openings that we, we, we had to settle the nerves, you know, and the anxiety by taking a lead. And of course, then uh, also important, then uh, midway through, we thought of started playing a different game, you know, and I told them halftime that the team that is playing there is not the team that I know. It's not a team that trained for two days, you know, uh, to try to, to, to prepare. And then you could see we considered a free goal, of course, you know, from giving the ball away and not uh, uh, defending properly uh, on the wing. And then second half, it was important, like I said to the boys, that uh, go back, put the ball down, play, don't be scared of, you know, uh, playing out with a short build-up. And then once we found that and we opened them, we came through the midfield, I think uh, our progression of playing to the final third, you could see a little bit that we lacked rhythm, you know, we lacked uh, the combination, the right combinations. But I think the game was down to um, decision-making. 
And uh, we scored a very good goal, you know, with Ndu coming and making immediate impact, which was part of the game plan, you know, to try to inject more pace uh, into our attack, whether we were leading or we we're behind. Unfortunately, we we're behind. So, yeah, I think 1-1, one, one, one will take it is what it is, is what we sort of mentally prepared for. Uh, but we got a big fight, of course, going into uh, 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 the second leg. Uh, and I'm sure we are with you. I told the team that we are a team that will always score a goal. And that gives me confidence to say we can go and t- t- turn the tie around. You know, we scored two away in Togo. So who says we can't go to, to uh, uh, sorry, in Togo and now we're going to Congo. Uh, I think we are worthy of at least one goal, which could be enough to take us through. But I think we can go two or three. But it's important that we play the quality of football and brand of football that doesn't uh, uh, favor the opposition. You know, especially when we play playing long and direct, it's what favored them and then they gave us problems. Uh, with the 10 overs, you know, especially when our full backs are out of position and finding the passes in behind them. So yeah, so far, not the best result. Yes, not happy with the result entirely, of course, because you want to win at home, because that gives you a bit of an advantage. But uh, it's a situation that we are in, but I think I'm confident that uh, we can go 10 the tie around in Congo. Yeah, David Notwana talking about uh, what happened uh, yesterday. But you know what? Uh, let's uh, quickly switch across now because, uh, you know, I told you Bafana Bafana are in the mix today and uh, we're going to go for a live crossing uh, to find out international week. It's about the qualifiers. It's about trying to make sure that Bafana Bafana get back onto the international stage, participation uh, all round uh, when it comes to the Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, so Tolagele Mganga, EWN Sports Reporter, uh, is at the Orlando Stadium. She joins us live there. Tolagele, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. All right, we'll, we'll connect with the Tolaga in just a second uh, so that we can get uh, that latest uh, score update uh, coming through from the Orlando Stadium. I mean, there's a, a great deal, yeah. Bafana Bafana having just uh, taken the lead, she would describe to us how that goal, Lyle Foster, uh, remember him, yeah? Just last week, playing for Burnley, starting against Manchester City, uh, comes up for Bafana Bafana, manages to score. Uh, some avoiding that 6 0 drubbing that they got from Man City. Maybe at times you just need that little bit of a whip and it's done About 20 minutes played in that game. Uh, as I said, EWN's uh, Tolen Mganga is going to give us the latest update uh, coming through from uh, the Bafana Bafana game as they play against uh, Liberia. Uh, what are the implications as far as that is concerned? An expected win it is for Bafana Bafana, uh, who are in the same group as Morocco, who sit there with six points. Uh, Bafana Bafana, I suppose, as it stands, will be on three. Uh, having played, you know, this will be the second game. Uh, bottom of the table is, you know, Zimbabwe. They do feature, uh, technically. We'll explain that. So a couple of games that have kicked off. Ivory Coast, Comoros, Nigeria, 
Guinea-Bissau, as well as South Africa and Liberia. So more to come through, including that live crossing right here at Mara Sports Worldwide. It's a Friday. Yeah, a very, very busy Friday it is on Mara Sports Worldwide. Uh, let's head off to the Orlando Stadium where Tolagele Mganga, EWN Sports Reporter, is standing by. Tolagele, I believe a second goal for Bafana Bafana. Is it draining goals there more than anything? Absolutely, Rob. And I think if people were questioning why Hugo Bruce picked Lyle Foster ahead of Munapula Sileng and Kaisas Mailula, Lyle Foster is proving them all wrong. He's just netted directly from a corner. Of course, that comes off the penalty that he's converted after Percy Dow was brought down in the box. It was a nervy first few minutes for South Africa when we started because we know that Percy Dow had actually fouled one of the Liberia players. Kamara had a free kick, but Ronan Williams... As the captain leading the way, he pumps through that effort. But so far, South Africa are looking very comfortable in this game. Of course, we have less than 23 minutes on the, on the clock, but they're doing very well. They're on course for three points. That means if they win this one, and then they rob them. They've always, almost had a third goal now. We're on oh. course for three points in this one. <laughs> if they win it, we've got an away leg. And dare we say, we've qualified for something without having to do match. That that will be very refreshing. <laughs> but w- w- what do you think, Tolagale, is, 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 is the big plus today? I mean, you know the video they posted trying to do rondos. It wasn't looking Ooh. convincing. Uh, they are individual players. The, the vision of Hugo Bruce is well known. What are you seeing visibly in these first 25 minutes that you would say has impressed you? Is there better structure? Is there better technique? Is there better application? Is it just overall a better Bafana Bafana feel? It's hunger which is something we haven't seen in this national team for quite a while. There's an argument to say maybe by bringing in the fresh, hungry players like the Mayulas, like the Munapula Sileg, like giving the arm back to Ronan Williams, who's always been on the periphery of Bafana Bafana. And now they've got this chance they want to lead. And a lot of them haven't played a continental or an international tournament. And they've got a coach in Hugo Bruce, someone who's very honest in his assessment. He's not about babysitting egos. He's not afraid to tell them when they're not performing at the level that he requires. Because of that honesty, combined with the fact that they know that a lot of South Africans have turned their back on this team. I think if you look at the stadium right now, the fact that we probably only have one section of the stadium full of supporters while the rest of it is just empty seats. Those are things that should motivate the players to say the first step is qualifying. After that, the fans will start showing up. Yeah, but I was saying that it, it, it also boggles the mind why Bafana Bafana, as well as the media personnel or SAFA, don't actually advertise and tell the public that, hey, your national team is playing. Yeah, I know it's our duty to do that, but also yeah. a little bit of, of PR does not harm anybody. It is an international break. Club football is not happening. The national team's got to be playing somewhere. And if it's playing in Orlando Stadium and it's playing in Joburg, try and entice people before they go to Conca or anywhere else around the mm-hmm. come through to Orlando Stadium. Make it a trip. Make it a long weekend. But come through. And like you say, it's disappointing in that way. But maybe this uh, is an opportunity for the Bafana Bafana brand to bounce back, although not against world beaters in Liberia, but they need the result. If anything, Rob, I think there's a certain complacency that has come with marketing the national team. Yes, you can have the open media days for the media to tell what the coaches and the players are saying. But where are the days where the team used to go to a mall? I remember with Sheikh Mashaba. They used to go to a mall whether, because now they're in Joburg. They can go to Southgate. They can go to Mall of the South. They can go to Maponya Mall. 
show the people that this is the team, these are the guys that you need to be supporting and constantly be reminding them, yes, Hugo Bush and Ronan Williams can be sending the messages and say, come and support. But if they're not seeing them in their everyday lives, it's hard for them to show up for them and be willing to take an off-ramp, if you can call it, to come to Orlando Stadium on a Friday evening where a lot of people will probably be thinking, oh, no, I just want to go home and I can watch the game from my TV screen. But if you had done the marketing of showing them who the team is, they would have been willing to part with the, just the 40 rand to come here. Yeah, just a, a quick touch on, obviously, great personnel, just to remind people that, as you said, Ronald Williams leading the charges at a season and a half uh, from uh, my Melody Sundowns. you got Morena, Kolu, Mvala, you got Modiba, so familiar faces at the back. Mugwena has been solid. LaRue coming through. you got a Percy Dow who showed, uh, even when playing for his club, Balali, when he comes here to South Africa, it's not about that. He can score a goal. Zwane, who's been consistent. Khawane, who comes through with an international um, appeal as well, formerly with Maritzburg United, and you've got Foster, like I said, on the back of a 6-0 hiding from Man City, comes through, shows his colours as well. What are you finding from the older generation of Azwane Tao and their contribution so far? I think, Rob, the key for them is they're not willing to kind of take a back seat. Gone are the days that we needed one superstar and everybody played around them, but this time around, Temba Zwane knows that he comes in as the cool head, as the professional to come lead the younger players. Even Percy Tao, even though when he broke into the national team, he was a star player for the team. But there are now other star players that he's willing to share the limelight with. Everybody understands that they need to work together for the brand that is Bafana Bafana. We can no longer rely on one player. Back in the day, it used to be Itumeleng as a goalkeeper. Itumeleng Queen as a goalkeeper would show up. And then maybe the strikers would step up in the goal scoring. This time around, everybody knows that they have a responsibility to play within the national setup. Yeah, and um, as we chat about that, just a reminder, 150th ranked uh, Liberia playing against Bafana Bafana. It is critical, and they play, again, away from home. Uh, have they shared the travel arrangements post the game, 90 minutes done? What's the next move? Hugo Bush has said during the week there will be chartering of flights because you know how he is. He gets very irritated in terms of the logistical elements of how long he takes to be with players, how long it takes for them to actually have time to train. He has told us during the week that they've chartered a flight in order to go to Liberia, in order to be fully prepared for the next game, because now it becomes vital. Because if they walk away with the three points from this one, they know that going into the next one, I don't think he's the kind of coach that will say, let's play for a draw, but he still wants the same level of intensity, the same level of commitment from his players to ensuring that even when they're away from home, in a possibly hostile atmosphere, they've already been acclimatized and can't use things like fatigue and jet lag as an excuse. Tolegale, thank you so much indeed. We'll certainly come through to you. If any drama happens, you'll press the magical MSW uh, panic button and we'll cross over to you, hopefully with more good news. Absolutely, Rob. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much indeed. Tolem Ganga, EWN sport reporter, coming through live for us from the Orlando Stadium. Yeah. Bafana Bafana related, which is good news. We can take that any single day indeed. Maybe give us your reaction. You're watching the game. What's impressing you about it so far? The application, the starting lineup. Maybe tell me a little bit more about the Liberian team. What are you picking up from them? Do they have the ability to bounce back in the second half? Can we score more goals? So keep it locked right here on Mara Sports Worldwide. As I said, a very, very busy Friday.
think it's it's a little bit different. You know, it's like coming to to a new school. You know, with a lot of new uh, classmates, and um, but I see a lot of energy. You know, I think um, I feel a lot of the guys who come here this week. You know, I think they they feel like they have an opportunity to 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 play, and I think they give them a lot of confidence. And you know, there's a lot of young players, so it's it's high energy, and you know. Um, it's time for them also to take the opportunity and hopefully we, we, we can do something good. Obviously. Um, you know, I think they're always um, playing every tournament, European Cup, World Cup, so that says that they're maintaining a very good level. You know, obviously you talked about the players who play in the Premier League, so the, the, they're really good players, you know, and I played Forsberg last week with Leipzig and, you know, they're, they're always solid. They know what they're doing, they know how to play as a team and you know they're always there so it's obviously going to be be a tough game for us but we'll try yeah you're right it is not not easy but um of course uh, it was my decision to to take it to take the job you know so i knew before that we will not have that much time that we have just this uh, three four days before before the match the most important thing of course is to come together to know the players to speak to them and believe me it's uh, so less time that you even don't have the possibility to speak to to everybody um, in a one-one uh, meeting so of course but we tried a lot of video uh, sessions and yeah, that's it. We, I want to win. Um, I want to win games. I'm really hungry to, to win. I think the players as well. We had a good atmosphere. I think, um, yeah, I want to win. The rest is, is always on the second place or third place. It's not the first priority. All right, when you talk about it not being the first priority, that's a Belgian. Belgium taking on Sweden in the first match of the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign this evening. That game is at quarter to 10. So that was Domenico Tedesco taking charge of a side for the very first time, replacing Roberto Martinez, who stepped down after they were eliminated from the Qatar World Cup. Remember, they failed to progress from the group stages there. But also, Kevin De Bruyne has been named as the new captain. You heard from him. Uh, That was following the retirement of Eden Hazard. And was clear that the young squad, they've got an opportunity to do something special. So looking forward to that game, Belgium and Sweden coming up later on this evening. Wanted to switch quickly though before we head to the break. Those who've also been following the trail of what's been going on from the cricketers, the Proteus coach Rob Walter, who's been saying that they will take the upcoming T20 International Series against the West Indies very seriously in search of the blueprint for the shortest format of the game. Now this is a this is a big year for the 50-over cricket as the 13th edition of the ODI World Cup will be staged in India from October. Now, the shortest version of the game, which is a T20 cricket, has taken a bit of a backseat for a short while as teams around the world prepare for the biggest tournament. Yeah, the biggest tournament as far as international cricket is concerned. I mean, breaking the goal-scoring record, of course, would have been a proud moment no matter the circumstance. Yeah, we, but, we obviously took the opportunity for the first two 50-over games uh, against the West Indies as a chance to give some younger guys an opportunity to give them international experience and obviously broaden the squad as we look forward uh, both this year and in the four-year cycle. Um, but for me, the you know this T20 series also provides an opportunity to get guys like Kiki Sarabada, Anrich Nokia back into the mix, Quinta de Kock, Riley Rousseau. So 
and get those guys ready for you know the Netherlands games in a way, but as part of a T20 competition, we understand how important these T20s are as well. You know, I think there's 35 ODIs in the four-year cycle and about 40 T20s, so there's not a hell of a lot of T20s in between now and World Cup. So you know, every event is important and an important opportunity. I thought he did a very good job, um, and not surprising, as I said. I've, I've, I'm fully aware of his leadership capabilities, so I thought he marshaled the troops nicely, made some nice um, tactical decisions around bowling changes, which was good to see. Um, and certainly looking just for more of the same, I think the SA20 gave us a little window into into his style and his ability from a leadership point of view. So I don't think we'll see anything different, it's just sort of a different set of troops out on the field with him. Uh, yeah, it's always great to drive through the doors. It, in many ways, it feels a little bit like um, being coming back home, uh, sort of my cricket home, I guess, having played all my cricket here and then done all my coaching and training here as well. So uh, certainly a, a great feeling coming back in the gates and to be part of, you know, head coach of the Proteas now and then running out on the park on Saturday, that'll be pretty special. So I've had my eye on Aiden for a very long time from a leadership point of view and just, you know, watched him go about his work. Um, I think the fortunate thing from SA20 point of view is that we had four skippers that are all involved in the team. So um, we've got some nice leadership capability in the side. Uh, you know, part of Aiden's appointment is also looking forward, um, understanding where he is in his, in his cricket cycle and how many years hopefully he'll be dedicating to the Proteus. So a number of factors of which SA20 would have contributed, really just affirming what I had originally thought. Um, yeah, look, you know, for me, Tristan sits in the space of being, uh, you know, a backup T20 batter who we want to provide opportunities to here and there, you know, just in case he will be called upon. Uh, guys like Marco and Wayne Parnell, for me, uh, are the guys who sit in the all-round space who provide some firepower with the bat at the back end but perform a dual role in the side. So slightly different uh, roles in the team, uh, but certainly... Uh, you know, whether it's now or along the course of the year, like we've already given Tristan an opportunity, we'll continue to do that. Uh, we're fully aware of his firepower. Um, he's shown that time and time again. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just choosing when and where we'll use that opportunity. It seems like a very clear plan that is there, laid out by the Proteus coach Rob Walter. Taking the T20 International Series against the West Indies pretty, pretty seriously for reasons that he has spelled out. Right, another interesting story that, um, and we got audio from that regarding what uh, the World Athletics President Lord Coe uh, has had to say about Russia. Remember, they were banned and there was a suspension. That suspension has been lifted. But what about the war in Ukraine? Does that factor in? So he'll try and explain his way through all of that. And hopefully that does make some level of sense as well. Morgan Mamila has been appointed somewhere within the football circles. So stick around. We'll have a word from him. Also, a remind you of what happened on this day in history, the 24th of March, 1965. Something dramatic involving penalties. You might want to hazard a guess. If you will, and you are able to, I'll call you a true champion.
Also keep an eye on the international stage, what's going on, Bafana Bafana at the Orlando Stadium. Good news so far. Can it continue? Will there be more goals? Positive, positive showing. That much I can tell you. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. It's the Friday edition. Hashtag MSW. Hashtag MSW. Live now. On 947 Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Soweto Live. At the same time. Hashtag MSW. It is Barrel Sports Worldwide coming through live from 947, Soweto Live, Rise FM and Vuma FM. The World Athletics President, Lord Sebastian Coe, as well as Head of World Athletics Russia Task Force, Rune Anderson. Well, they've confirmed that while Russia's doping suspension has been lifted, they remain banned for the foreseeable future due to the ongoing war in Ukraine. Now, they were initially suspended in November 2015 after the state-sponsored doping was uncovered. Now, despite meeting the conditions set by the World Athletics, Russia's task force, they remain excluded, along with athletes from Belarus uh, from the World Athletics Series event. So all of those events, they remain banned from. But here's a a bit of an explanation from uh, the president. Uh, The council agreed to the reinstatement of the Russian Federation, RUSAF, following seven years who have been through male puberty from female world ranking competitions from March the 31st uh, this year. However, in order to do further research into our transgender eligibility guidelines, we will be establishing a working group whose remit will be to consult specifically with transgender athletes to seek views on competing in athletics, to review and maybe commission additional research where there is currently limited research and to put forward recommendations to council. The working group will include an independent chair, up to three council members, two athletes from the Athletes Commission, a transgender athlete from athletics, three representatives of our member federations and representatives of the World Athletics Health and Science Department. The majority of those consulted uh, stated that transgender athletes should not be competing in the female category. Many believe there is insufficient evidence that trans women do not retain advantage over biological women and more, more evidence than any physical advantages have been ameliorated before they are willing to consider an option for inclusion into the female category. Unlike DSD athletes, there are no transgender athletes competing in international competition in athletics and no observations therefore exist uh, from the front line, in our case the field of play, across the different disciplines that are specific to our sport, i.e. endurance running, sprints, throws, jumps and road events. Where the science is insufficient to justify maintaining testosterone suppression for transgender athletes, the council agreed it must be guided by our overarching principle, which is to protect the female category. We cannot, in all conscience, leave our transgender regulations as they were at five nanomoles per litre for at least one year, when we were unsure about the impact of doing so across all our disciplines. So we need to know more, and we need to know more now. Uh, The World's Athletics Council uh, today decided to reduce the testosterone threshold for DSD athletes to 2.5 nanomoles per litre across all our events. 
DSD athletes who have been competing in the unrestricted events can apply to benefit from a reduced six-month period to maintain testosterone levels under 2.5 nanomoles per litre, provided they apply and suppress their testosterone level to 2 nano, 2.5 nanomoles per litre before 1 July of this year, 2023. So none of these athletes will be eligible to compete in the World Athletics Championships in Budapest in August. They will be eligible to compete in other events after that six-month period, including the Paris Olympic Games next year, if and only if they maintain their testosterone at the required. Uh, the level. council agreed to the reinstatement of the Russian Federation, RUSAF, following seven years of suspension. Uh, and that, of course, was due to the egregious institutional doping violations. However, athletes, officials and supporting personnel from Russia and Belarus are still excluded from competition for the foreseeable future due to Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine. I did remind Council that Rusev was originally suspended from membership in November 2015 due to its whole-scale breach of its anti-doping obligations and that in November 2021 Congress resolved to continue that suspension until Rusev had met all of the reinstatement conditions set by Council. I advise Council today that those conditions have now been met. First, an in independent audit team has confirmed that Rusev has met all of the detailed KPIs and other requirements set out in the reinstatement plan that Council approved in March 2021. And second, Rusev has accepted a detailed set of post-reinstatement conditions designed to ensure there is not no backsliding from the significant progress that it has made to date. These are in addition to the other special requirements that Rusev will have to meet as a Category A member federation under the rules of the World Athletics. I told Council that the task force met with Rusev President Peter Ivanov and his senior management team in person in Istanbul last week. They satisfied us that the meeting, that they understand the importance of these requirements and that they are committed to complying with them. Given all this, the task force recommended that Council lift Rusev's suspension and reinstate it to membership on the basis that it has to comply with all of the above-mentioned requirements for at least three years, with such compliance to be monitored by the AIU, that is the Athletics Integrity Unit, at RUSAF's cost. A council adopted that resolution, and therefore the task force work has come to an end. So it's two stories, basically, back-to-back -back coming through uh, from Lord Sebastian Coe. One had to do with what I explained earlier on about the ban on Russia, but also the earlier clip had to do with the transgender athletes who have been banned from competing in female category at the international level. So he was basically confirming that the council were guided by the overarching principle, uh, which is to protect the female category. It was also confirmed that the council had voted to reduce the amount of blood testosterone permitted for athletes there were differences in sex development. Uh, he also conceded, though, that the decisions made have been challenges, but he will robustly defend them if that is required.
But also in the cycling world, cyclist Kirsten Wally, uh, the first uh, transition athlete to successfully legally challenge the gender policies of the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, uh, called the World Athletics Ban on Transgender Women Athletes as highly, highly upsetting. Let's hear her out. I'm not surprised. I think, I think Rory, I think um, hearing Sebastian Coe talk about it, I think there's a long history here. There's two decades or more of history. And obviously, um, world athletics over historically has kind of been the incubator around gender for several decades. So um, watching this happen is, is it's more upsetting than anything because what's happening is the most vulnerable are being excluded from sport and more for political reasons and not based on uh, actual science and research. Um, that that has been applied to um, comments and output by Sebastian uh, this afternoon and in declining the opportunity for young young people to participate in sport because this also has effect not just at the international levels but also consequently over over you know communities across the globe and, and many uh, communities as we're seeing as you're aware of living in the United States um, seeing how this is playing out in the United States across many many states and, and, and even governance of policy so um, there's a lot of disinformation that is out there, unfortunately, and unfortunately, it's the most vulnerable that are playing the price for it. A side, side step of that. The issue is, is what we're doing is we're preventing young people at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years of age to participate in community, to participate in sporting activities, um, to be integrated as part of that, of that social normal. And so when an international body like World Athletics has taken the position as it has today as a political piece, not based on the science and the research that is, that is appropriate, and it's the same thing that, that World Swimming, uh, World Aquatics has done the very same thing last year. With the, it's a very set of, set, of, set of ideals in the political positioning. It has absolutely nothing to do with the science and the research, and it has absolutely nothing to do um, with with. The, the participation in elite sport, and as I said to Seth Code today in, my, in a local tweet to him, is here we've got, I'm watching all the news groups put out images on Twitter with, you know, with no images of transition athletes at the elite levels of, of world athletics, because there aren't any. So this is purely a political move by SEPCO um, and, and, and the world athletics to deal with the right-wing issues and, and political relationships and obviously potential sponsors um, that are Finding World Athletics today. Previously on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Brian Mitchell, I know his desires, his wants, his everything when it comes to boxing. Come full circle, you know, I was a nine-year-old boxer more than 50 years ago as an amateur. I became a professional boxer in 81, as you said. Yeah. Uh, I became a professional trainer. I trained world champions like Harry Simon and Cassius Beloy. So as far as I'm concerned, boxing is definitely not dead. Boxing is fine. The state of amateur boxing needs to be looked at. But professional boxing, we've got wonderful talent. So, yeah, nothing wrong with boxing. You know what is wrong? is access to champions. The media does need to, to take a bit of blame. Mm. You, like you say, you need to know who these champions are. You need pictures of, of, of Rock Knapp and, and Taysa and, and all these guys, Malajika, on the front pages, on the back pages, on the sport pages of our newspapers. Hashtag MSW. Hashtag MSW. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947. Vuma FM, Rise FM. And so we're to live.
Well, there's been good news coming through from the Orlando Stadium. The good news still remains that at halftime, South Africa still lead by two goals to null against Liberia. So hopefully things don't change. I mean, track it, a couple of tweets as well. Uh, people saying, yeah, score looking good. But maybe, maybe, maybe. All I'm saying is maybe don't bring in that negative maybe as yet. Hopefully they solidify, maybe increase, change a couple of things. But so far, so good. We'll hang on to that too, no. Maybe the biggest upset at halftime. <laughs> I've got to qualify that. Uh, just tracking the nigeria Bissau game. Uh, I did say early on that a lot expected from the Nigerians as far as the, the Africa Cup of Nations, the qualification round three game is concerned. Gideba Sao take the lead at halftime against Nigeria. Uh, the score after 29 minutes uh, with Balde scoring is 1-0. How will the Nigerians bounce back from this? And what does it mean as far as Group A is concerned? So Gideba Sao now climb one up on Nigeria. If the scores remain the same at the end of 90 minutes, uh, and they will shade them by a point. So as it stands right now, Gidebasau top group A with Nigeria second. Uh, coming into the game, Nigeria were top of that group. So Nigeria will sit with six points in a group that also sees the likes of Sierra Leone as well as Sao Tome and Principe. So maybe that is... The one that raises a little bit of the eyebrow coming into the halftime break uh, is that nigeria Bissau game. Uh, but uh, Ivory Coast playing against uh, Comoros. It is 1-0 to Ivory Coast. Also another goal scored within just uh, 30 minutes of the game. Christian Kaume, uh, who is a Fiorentina player, uh, having sealed that one for the Ivory Coast. Uh, so in a very busy evening of... Uh, international football especially within the african continent uh, it is ivory coast one and comoros no at the halftime break uh, the other result is cape verde and eswatini uh, that one is no no so plenty of games still to come though later on as i mentioned Burkina faso taking on togo egypt take on malawi equatorial guinea facing botswana mali and gambia senegal mozambique cameroon uh, will face namibia with the guinea battling it out against Ethiopia, Tunisia, and Libya. Uh, They're going to be wrapping things up as far as the Africa Cup of Nations is concerned. But those aren't the only games, though. A couple of the uh, Euro qualifications, key games to maybe highlight for your viewing pleasure a little bit later on. Uh, Bulgaria, Montenegro. There's Austria taking on Azerbaijan. Czech Republic will play against Poland with France uh, playing against Netherlands. So that should be a very, very, very good game. The France-Netherlands shake-up after the World Cup. You all go back to that penalty shootout against Argentina, man, in the World Cup final. So lots of memories to be revived in the France-Netherlands game. Uh, Greece will be playing away to Gibraltar. There's Moldova and the Faroe Islands. Serbia taking on Lithuania, uh, Sweden, as well as Belgium. I know a lot of you are looking forward to hearing what Morgan Mumbula has got to say. I don't know if his battery has given up on him. Uh, but yeah, 
Goes straight to voicemail, but we wish him the best of luck. I do believe that he is the technical advisor at uh, Morocco Swallows or Swallows Football Club, as it is called these days. Uh, remember, that's the same man who said that, uh, yeah, he'll step away. A couple of people reminding me on social media about what he said right here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Futingala is that person saying the last conversation with Morgan, he said he is retiring. What has changed? Teasing each other with David Mukhashwa. Is it a personal thing? Uh, well, those and other questions, I am sure we will be able to respond to and answer next week. Hashtag MSW live now on 947 Vuma FM, Rise FM and Soweto Live at the same time. Hashtag MSW.